Jesus, we're here today because you're alive. Your tomb is empty, and we're here to say, Hallelujah, we're so thankful for your resurrection. Jesus, we're so glad you came into this world and lived and died and rose so that we could, could have an abundant life and live with you forever. Thank you. We pray as we open your word today that you would forgive the one who speaks for his sins or many and, and you would open eyes and unstop ears and soften hearts and for many to, to hear the gospel for the first time and believe. And Lord, for those of us who know you, may we hear anew and may we leave rejoicing, rejoicing that we have been forgiven, that you have given us life that's abundant and eternal, and we leave rejoicing and find a new, uh, a new desire to share the good news with others. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 15. If you have your Bible, you can follow with me, and if not, you can follow on the screens. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you... <clears throat> As of first importance, what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and am not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed." Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised." For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Um, today's message is called The Main Event, The Main Event. And um, you, ever, you ever heard of FOMO? Have you heard the word FOMO? Uh, you know, a fear of missing out, that people are afraid they're going to miss out on, on the best things or the main things. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time to make sure you don't miss out on the main event, Okay. So you're in Times Square on New Year's Eve, 
what is it, the one thing you want to make sure you don't miss out on? What? There you go. Come on. Say the ball dropping. I mean, what an event, right? You don't want to miss that if you're there, right? Okay, you're in Augusta, Georgia in April. What do you not want to miss out on? What? The Masters is the main event. And come on, even if you're not a golf fan like me, it's a beautiful course, isn't it? You just don't want to miss it. It's the main event. And this is a little harder. But you're in Boston on the third Monday of April. What, ah, what do you, don't you want to miss? You want to miss the marathon, right? Uh, what an amazing thing of thousands of people lining up as, as people run the race. Even some famous people have run that race before. Like that there. Uh. <laughs> that was a couple of years ago, okay? Um, you're in Louisville, Kentucky on the first Saturday of May. What is it? What? Ah, the Kentucky Derby. I mean, even if you don't like horse races, come on, there's the bonnets, right? And the horses, and, and it's just the main event there, isn't it? Um, you're in St. Augustine on the 4th of July. What do you not want to miss? Ah, the fireworks. Isn't it a beautiful place for fireworks? You see the fireworks over the fort and all? And this one's really dear to my heart, okay? You're in Sturgis, South Dakota in August. <laughs> what is it you don't want to miss? What? Bike week, right? I mean, wow, that's the, I mean, Daytona's big, but that's bigger right in Sturgis, isn't it? Um, or if you're, if you're in the key, if you're, if you're on Key West on any day of the week, what don't you want to not miss? Ah, uh, the sunset. You ever been there and just seen the set, sunset? Isn't it spectacular? So there's certain places and certain events that you just don't want to miss. So if there was one event in history that was the main event. If someone asked you, what is the main event in history, what would you say? I know what I would say. I know what I would say, that the resurrection of Jesus is the main event. Not just in the Bible. It is the main event in the Bible. But it's not just the main event. It is the main event in history. And you know why? Because Jesus conquered our two greatest enemies. He conquered sin and death by his resurrection. One day, a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb and, and proving he had conquered our two greatest enemies of sin and death. The resurrection of Jesus is the main event. So let's unpack that just a little bit, okay? Going back to verse 3. <clears throat> for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. I never was a good student, but when the teacher said, this is of first importance, what did that mean? You were going to see it again, right? You better know this. This is something you need to know and remember because you'll see it again. Now, everything in the Bible is important, but it's not all equally important. And so right here, the Apostle Paul says, listen, this is of first importance. This is the main event. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. Christ died for our sins, and, and that he was buried, and that he rose on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Paul here is writing about the gospel, and the word gospel means good news. But um, the gospel also contains bad news, and if we're really going to rejoice and celebrate over the good news, we need to first understand the bad news. So let's look a little bit at the bad news of the gospel. 
Again, look at verse 3. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. There's our sin problem. Our sin problem. What is the bad news of the gospel? We have a problem called sin. Um, you ever just look over our world and say, why is our world so broken? What is wrong with our world? And here's the answer, our sin. And I want you to know it is a universal problem. It is a problem that affects every one of us. It is our problem. Matter of fact, in Romans 3, verse 23, will you read this verse with me? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many? All, <laughs> all right? And yet you can turn on the news on one channel. You watch the news and this one channel will say it's Democrats and they say all the problems in our country are those what? Those Republicans, Republicans, Republicans. And then you go to another station, right? And it's all Republicans, and what do they say? All the problems in this country are those Democrats, those Democrats. But do you know what the gospel says? You know what's wrong with our country? I am. You know what's wrong with our country? You are. It is a universal problem, isn't it? For what? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Wouldn't that be a refreshing thing to hear in our country, wouldn't it? That we're all part of the problem? <laughs> um, and you say, well, Smiley, what is sin? Sin is a crime against God. Most people, when they think about sin, they think about hurting others. But sin is primarily against God. It is a crime against God. And we commit crimes against God in what we do, in what we say, in what we think. What we do that... Um, if we steal something, that's a crime against God. Anybody in here in your whole life ever steal something? Anybody has? Oh, man, I have. Have you? Oh, do you, if we get drunk, do you know that's a crime against God too? Anybody in here ever been drunk? I have. You know what's, in my marriage, I'm married to someone so much better than me, so Karen always asks the kids, ask Dad. Ask Dad if he ever got drunk. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. Uh, have you? It's what we do. It's what we say. That if we say something hurtful about someone, that that's a crime against God. Have you ever said something hurtful about someone in your whole life? Oh, man, I, I, I'm guilty again. If the, the Bible says that if we call someone a fool or an idiot, that's a crime against God. Can we talk? Do you drive? Do you... I mean, do you drive? Do you like say that every day? You, did, did you know that's a crime against God? Oh man, we commit crimes in what we do and say and think. Even our thoughts can be crimes against God that when we're angry, any, anybody else in here ever been angry? And I have. Or how about jealousy or, or coveting? You ever want what someone else has? How did that person get the trophy I deserved? Oh, man, I am so guilty of that. Are you? Listen, it's not just true of me. For all of sin, uh, sometimes people say, Smile, I can't believe you share that. You know why I'm free to share my sin? Because I know it's a universal problem. I don't have to hide and be afraid because all have sinned. They look good on the outside, but they're not good. 
All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And listen, crimes against God are not only what we do and say and think, it's what we fail to do as well. Did you ever think about that? One day someone came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Some of you, you're sharp. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? What? Come on, say it with confidence. What? That you should love the Lord your God with half your heart, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Can we talk? I've not kept the greatest commandment a day in my life. I haven't put God first in every thought, in every decision. I put myself first. Anybody else ever done that? And then Jesus said the second greatest commandment was what? To love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Come on, have you really done that? (laughs) Have you? I've not kept the first or second commandment a day in my life, and neither have you. That's our sin problem. It's a universal problem. It's true of all of us. That's why the Bible says, for all have sinned and falls short of the glory of God. Now, there's our sin problem, and then there's our death problem. Our death problem. There's something else we share in common. It's not just sin. We we share a common death problem. Um, that we're all going to to die. That's why it says here that Christ died for our sins. In the Bible, sin and death are connected. For most of us, we don't see the connection. But the Bible teaches that death is the penalty for sin. For the wages of sin is death. Let me show you that connection because most of us don't realize that sin and death go together. In verse 21 here, it says, For since by a man came death. Death came into the world through a man. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. Let me put the death and sin together for you. God made our first parents, Adam and Eve. And... uh, He made them to live forever, and God put them in paradise, and God walked with them, and God promised them life forever if they would only keep one rule, that you will live forever if you don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But our first parents, just like us, thought God was what? That's so unreasonable. (laughs) A rule. A rule. And so our first parents, just like us, They ate that fruit, and they died. And that's how death entered into the world. And I know some of you, but wait a minute, smiling. They didn't die. Oh, yes, they did. The wages of sin is death. The Bible says there's three kinds of death. There's spiritual death, and there's physical death, and there's eternal death. Spiritual death is separation from God. Adam and Eve had walked with God, and the moment they sinned, they hid from God. They were separated from God. Now they were afraid of God, and every one of us has been hiding from God ever since. The moment they sinned, they were unable to please God. To be spiritually dead means we cannot save ourselves. Spiritual death, and then there's physical death. The day they ate, death entered into the world, and they began to die. Do you know that all of us are terminal too? That we are headed toward physical death, and physical death is when our bodies and spirits are separated from one another. But I want you to know that's not what we should fear. There's spiritual death, there's physical death, and the death we should fear is eternal death. 
Eternal death is the separation of our body and spirit from God and from all good things forever in this life. Whether people believe in Jesus or not, everyone gets to enjoy the beauty of the sun, family, friends, food, but hell will be separation from God and from all good things. Um, you see, the bad news is our sin problem. We've all sinned. The bad news is, is our death problem, our death problem of spiritual death and physical death and eternal death. One more problem, there's our good works problem. There's our good works problem. <clears throat> Do you know what the problem with good works is? Good works don't work. The problem with good works is that good works don't work. I've been at this <clears throat> for a long, long time, and I have asked thousands and thousands of people, how do you plan to get to heaven? And person after person tells me, I'm a good person. You see, people think that we're going to be saved by our good works. I'm a good person. Somehow, all of us have this idea that God has a giant set of scales in his hands. And if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, God's going to say, come on in. But if our bad deeds outweigh our good deeds, well, we never quite want to think about that, right? But do you know what the Bible says about that? This is really, really important. In, in Proverbs 14, 12, listen to what it says. There is a way which seems right to a man. I mean, it seems right to me that if my good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, it's going to work out great. There is a way which seems right to a man, but notice where it ends. But its end is the way of death. Hmm. Good works don't work because when it comes to God, being okay is not okay. Does that sound familiar? Being okay is not okay? Don't you love those AT&T commercials? Don't you? That, you know, when okay is not okay? Like when it's your doctor, right? Okay is not okay? Have you ever worked for Dr. Francis? Oh, yeah. He's okay. Just okay? Guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. Just okay is not okay. Isn't that true with your doctor, okay is not okay, right? Or with your tattoo artist, I mean, okay is not okay, right? But why is it we think? that okay is going to be okay with God. God is just. That means God can't wink at sin, say, it really doesn't matter, okay is okay. God can't do that to be true to himself. Some of you are saying, well, Smiley, I'm really glad I came today. This has been really fun. But I tell you, once you understand the bad news, you'll really appreciate the good news. And you know what the bad news? We all share a sin problem. We all do. We all share a death problem. We all do. And listen, we have a good works problem. None of us can save ourselves. You ready for some good news, are you? Here it is. Jesus is our Savior. He's not a, a teacher primarily. He's our Savior who does for us what we can't do. Isn't that good news? Did you hear what this verse said? For I delivered to you as of first importance. This is the main event, that Christ. Want some good news? Christ 
Do you know who Jesus is? Jesus is God the Son who became a man. I mean, we're sinners. We couldn't save ourselves. So help came from above. God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. Jesus came into the world in a unique way. He was born of a virgin, fully God and fully man, uniquely qualified for his mission. The reason he came was to save us from our sins. For Christ also died for our sins. He came to rescue sinners. Um, so he lives a perfect life for us for 33 years. And, and then you, you, you know the story, right? He was betrayed by one of his by one of his 12, and he was deserted by the rest of them, and he was denied by Peter, remember? Um, and uh, those were his friends, right? And then he was beaten and mocked and spit upon and a crown of thorns thrust on his head and he was nailed to a cross, dropped into a pole, a hole, every bone dislocated. He was naked on a garbage dump between two thieves. But what I want you to know, a lot of people were crucified but Christ died for our sins. Others died for their own sins. That's what makes it unique. And do you know what kept Jesus on the cross? Do you know what kept him on the cross? It wasn't the nails. It was his love for you and me. For Jesus said, no one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. He loved you so much, he laid down his life for you. Now, some of you are here checking out the Christian faith, and you say, well, what is the God of the Bible like? If you want to know what the God of the Bible is like, look at the cross. Because the cross tells us two things about God, that God is just and God is love, and the two come together on the cross. Without understanding both, you'll never understand the cross. The cross declares that God is just. He can't wink at sin. Sin must be punished, and that every sin anyone has ever do done will be punished either in Christ on the cross once for all or in us in hell forever. The cross declares that God is just and sin must be punished. But the cross declares that God is love and God provided a way for sinners to be forgiven and to live with him forever through Jesus Christ dying for our sins. You ever want to, want to be loved, have you? You ever wondered how much Jesus loves you? Jesus stretches out his hands on the cross and says, I love you this much. He says, I love you so much that I'm willing to take on me the wages of sin is death. I have no sin, so I will take your sin on me and I will experience what you deserve so that you can have what I deserve, the free gift of God and eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know what love is? Now, now listen real carefully. Jesus says from the cross, I love you so much that I would rather go to hell for you than spend eternity without you. How bad does Jesus want you to do life and eternity with you? He says, I would rather go to hell for you than to do eternity without you. So the one who knew no sin took our sin upon himself on the cross and he died in our place and he stayed there until he could cry out, it is finished or paid in full. 
Christ died for our sins and that he was buried. That means he really was dead. And hallelujah, praise God, he didn't stay dead. And that he was raised on the third day. On the third day, a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb. And that's the proof that he had conquered sin and death for us. It would be like someone sentenced to prison for 30 years. And at the end of 30 years, they go free because they paid their debt and now they're free. So Jesus walking out of the tomb is the proof that he had paid in full the penalty for sin and death. And you say, well, Smiley, how can we believe that? It's so hard to believe. And so Paul begins to lay out the evidence of the resurrection and that he appeared to Cephas, that is to Peter. Remember Peter, when Jesus was arrested, what did he do? He denied Jesus, right, three times? And yet... When he saw Jesus alive, Peter would stand in Jerusalem and preach the gospel, and he would be martyred for the faith. What changed him? He saw Jesus alive. Exhibit A, Peter. He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Exhibit B, 500 people saw Jesus alive. 1 Corinthians was written within 20 years after Jesus rose. Most of the eyewitnesses were still alive. If you met one person who said, I saw a dead man alive, you'd think, what? What, he's crazy. If you met two or three people who said Jesus is alive, you'd think, what? There's a conspiracy going on. But if 500 people are running around saying, we saw a dead man alive, you'd what? You'd check it out. Exhibit B. <clears throat> Exhibit B, the 500. Uh, um, and then he appeared to James. This is Jesus' brother. J James found it hard to believe his brother was the Savior, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be hard? Wouldn't it be hard to believe your brother was the Savior? Can you imagine how hard it would have been to have been one of Jesus' brothers or sisters? I mean, his mother always saying what? Jesus never talks back to his mother. <laughs> Jesus always does what he's told. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But do you know what changed James? He saw Jesus dead, his brother. And then he saw his brother alive. And James believed. And James became one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And he would be martyred for his faith. He's exhibit C. Uh, and, and then he appeared to the twelve, and then he says, uh, and, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and have not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Exhibit D was Saul, who met Jesus alive and became Paul, who's writing this. A hater became a lover, a persecutor became the persecuted, a murderer became a martyr. And so Paul lays out the evidence for the resurrection. Here's the bad news, our sin problem, our death problem, our good works problem. Here's the good news, God came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, rose on the third day, appeared to over 500 people over a period of 40 days, and offers to us the greatest gift ever given, Eternal life. Eternal life for God. So love the world, this broken, sin-scarred world, filled with people who've committed crime after crime against him. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
his only begotten Son, to do everything necessary to save and rescue us, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have the greatest gift ever, eternal life. Um, truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Listen, eternal life is the greatest gift ever because it's the cure for our two greatest enemies, sin and death. What is eternal life? It's the cure for sin. Eternal life is the forgiveness of our sins, past, present, and future. You ever done anything wrong? I mean, really wrong? How do you deal with it? Listen, not only have I done many things wrong, but I do every day. And every night when I lie down, it just overwhelms me to think of my failures as a believer in Christ and as a husband and as a father and a pastor. And I am overwhelmed by my son. And then I remember, I remember Christ died for our sons and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And I say, thank you, Jesus, that in you I am forgiven of all my sins, past and present and future. You ever overwhelmed by your failures, are you? What would you pay? What would you pay to go to bed tonight forgiven of all your sins, past and present and future? What if I told you it was free? What if I told you, wouldn't you want that gift? Some of you say, smiling, but you don't know what I've done. That's true. I don't know what you've done, but I know what Jesus has done for you. I want to share something with you. None of us, none of us in this room are too bad to be forgiven, but some of us are too good. What? You can't be too bad to be forgiven, but you can be too good. No matter what we've done, if we believe in Jesus, we're forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and future. But if we're too good, we'll say what? I don't need a Savior. I can save myself. Please don't be too good to be forgiven. Eternal life is the cure for sin. Believe in Jesus and be forgiven. What is eternal life? Eternal life is life. It's life. It's an abundant life now, life that lasts forever. Oh, I love when Jesus said in John 10, he said, I came that they may have life. How's your life? Huh? How's your life? And may have it abundantly. You see, eternal life begins the moment we believe in Jesus, and we're given an abundant life now. We're given the opportunity from that day forward to do life with Jesus and for Jesus. Um. I have done life without Jesus. I have done life living for myself. And for over 50 years, I have done life with Jesus. And I have done life for Jesus. And I can assure you, life is so much better with Jesus and for Jesus. And you say, how to live every day knowing I'm loved. To live every day knowing I'm not alone, that Jesus is with me. To live every day knowing that Jesus has a purpose for my life big enough to get up every day excited about it. To know that Jesus is with me and he's promised to get me safely home. Um, how's your life? Let me share with you, a life is a terrible thing to waste. It's a terrible thing to waste. And Jesus gives us the opportunity to have an abundant life. Now, when we believe in Jesus 
we're given an abundant life now, the opportunity to do life with Him and for Him. Won't you believe? Eternal life is the cure for death. It's an abundant life now, but it's also life forever. Life forever. I want you to know everyone in this room is forever. We are 100 years from now. Every one of us 100 years from now will either be experiencing eternal life or eternal punishment. Which one do you want? Did you hear John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not, shall not perish but have eternal life. Some will be experiencing Jesus being with Him and for Him, and some will be separated from Him and from all good things. If a life is a terrible thing to waste, an eternity is a terrible thing to waste, don't waste your eternity. Listen, believe in Jesus and receive the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life, forgiveness for sins, an abundant life now and life that lasts forever. And our part in this is to believe in Jesus. <laughs> and you might say, well, Smiley, what, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What does it mean when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that it, whoever believes in Jesus? Doesn't everyone believe in Jesus? What does it mean to believe? I mean, when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life, doesn't everyone believe? So let me help you understand what it means to believe in Jesus and have eternal life, what saving faith is. Let's start with what it's not. Uh, believing in Jesus is not an intellectual faith. There are many people who believe in Jesus the same way I believe in George Washington. I believe in George Washington, don't you? And I believe in Abraham Lincoln, don't you? I mean, I believe they lived and died and all, but I'm not trusting them to do anything for me. And there are many people like that with Jesus. Oh, they believe that he lived and died, but when it comes to eternal life, they're still trusting and being good. That's not saving faith. Um, listen, saving faith is not intellectual faith. It's not a temporal faith. I'm sure everyone in here, there was a time in school where we forgot to study for a test, right? And we said, oh, Jesus, help me on this test. And I will follow you all the days of my life. <laughs> True, isn't it? Or, or we get ourselves in a financial jam and we say, oh, Jesus, if you'll just get me out this one time. Many of us trust Jesus for temporary things, don't we? Like a test or finances or sickness. But when it comes to eternal life, we're still trusting in our goodness, right? Saving faith is trusting Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and for eternal life. And we love to say that's as simple as A, B, C, that we admit we're sinners. Is that really that hard to do? that we believe in Jesus instead of us, that he died on the cross for our sins and rose, and then we commit to Jesus as Savior and, and Lord. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, you've stayed awake with me so far. We're back to our chair, okay? It looks like a good chair, doesn't it? Does it look like a good chair? looks pretty solid. What? Uh, do you think that chair could hold me up? But why isn't it? Ah, yeah, I'm not sitting there. I haven't come over and go, ah, now I really believe, right? Now I believe this thing will hold me up. How many of us are like that, right? Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah, I believe in him. Do you believe Jesus could forgive someone? Yeah. Do, do, do you believe Jesus could give you eternal life? Yes. Are you sitting in the chair? Oh, 
there was a day in my life where my eyes were opened and I saw how sinful I am. And so I admitted, Jesus, I have sinned against you and I'm sorry. If you've never done that, won't you? And there was a day I saw how beautiful Jesus is. And I said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. There was a day where I committed my life and eternity to Jesus. And I sat down and I said, Jesus, from this day on, I'm trusting you as my Savior. Not my goodness, you. I want you to forgive me. I want you to give me eternal life. And he did, won't you? And on that day, I, I said, Jesus, today I'm trusting you as Lord. I'm tired of running my life. I want you to be Lord. From this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you all the days of my life. Best decision ever. Would you like to go to bed tonight being forgiven of all your sins you can? Would you like to go to bed tonight knowing that you have an abundant life and you have eternal life? Would you? Listen, you can have that assurance by believing in Jesus and receiving his free gift today. And as we close in prayer, I, I want to give you that opportunity. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, thank you for coming to save sinners like me and all of us. Thank you for living that perfect life and dying in our place and rising and offering us forgiveness an abundant life and life forever. Oh, if you'd like to be forgiven, if you'd like an abundant and eternal life, won't you believe in Jesus now? Won't you, where you are, admit to him? Won't you just say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry? And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit, Jesus, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. From this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you all the days of my life. Listen, if you've done that for the first time, hear what Jesus says, that those who believe will not perish but have eternal life. Won't you take a moment to, to pull out that connecting card and just say, today's the day, today's the day I put my trust in Christ. By doing that, Jesus will become more real to you, and we'd love to celebrate with you that today you decided to sit and put your trust in Jesus' way to go. And as you leave, why not tell someone, today, today I decided to trust Jesus. Every time you tell someone else about Jesus, he will become more real to you. And Lord, I pray for all of us who have trusted in you that as we leave here today that we would go and we would share with others the good news that you're alive and that we have received the greatest gift ever, forgiveness and life, life that's abundant and life that's eternal. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.